Good morning. Good morning, Gulfside. Welcome. If this is your first time, welcome to Gulfside. I'm a former pastor, so I, I know I'm supposed to say that. Um, if you're a regular, I'm glad you're here. My name is Jay Harvey. It's great to meet you. I know your pastor. I've known him for a while. And um, he has asked me to come for the next two weeks. And um, I don't know, just make some stuff up and bide time and until he gets back. No. Um, first service reminded me of something, um, of just how, <laughs> how difficult it is to plant a church and to set up and tear down. And I've done that. And, um, it's a beautiful place. It takes a lot of work. And, and I know sometimes, especially in, in the summer, um, after you've been doing it for a while, you just get tired, and, and um, you wonder sometimes, for those that really work within the church, um, are we making a difference? And, and you are. You are. And so I just want to encourage you today, before I get started, that I know sometimes it's hard, um, but, but keep going and um, remain strong, steadfast. You have a wonderful pastor and family and, and team and, and um God is continuing to use you. So uh, I've done it. I'm, I'm just be honest. I'm glad I'm not doing that anymore, but um, I'm doing something different. And that is prison ministry. And I've been in over 200 prisons since 2016. And I work for a ministry that you might know. I don't know if you do or not, but it's the Ministry of Life Without Limbs and Nick Vujicic. How many of you have heard of Nick Vujicic? Born without arms and legs from Australia. If you don't know him, you might just Google him, get on YouTube. Uh, he's, he's a worldwide evangelist, uh, inspirational speaker, but, but truly an evangelist that travels the world. And he has a prison ministry that I oversee. And uh, I've been able to go into, um, like I said, several uh, hundred prisons in the last three or four years. And I'm coming back December 4th to go into Charlotte Correctional, which is right up the road from you. How many of you knew that Charlotte Correctional Institute was right up the road from you? That doesn't mean you've been in there, right, ladies? Okay. You weren't like a resident. Okay. I'm just checking. Uh, and then I'll be back next week. So if anybody in here has ever wanted to go in and do ministry in a prison and wonder what that's like, uh, next week when I come back, uh, I'll grab your information, pray about it. I won't be able to take more than maybe three or four. But I will be going, coming back December 4th and going in and doing uh, what we do in all these prisons uh, where we travel. So I just wanted to put that uh, in your noggin and let you think about that before I come back next week. Love to have you. Uh, come join me and see what God does behind bars. One of the mistakes the church always makes is assuming that when they go through security that they're bringing Jesus in their backpack with them to present to the inmates. And, and they're astonished when they find that he's already there and has been working in chapel programs, and that there are many inmates who do come to Christ and uh, begin to work out their purpose and uh, lead churches inside and go uh, evangelize the rest of the inmates. And that's what we try to help and equip do. But anyway, hey, I'm from Indiana, and um, I don't know anybody from Indiana or no? Yeah, you're all smart. You don't raise your hand if you're from Indiana. So... Um, I want to tell you a little bit about my story before we jump into the message. Uh, the title today is God's Not Mad at You. And it's important that you get that phrase in your head today. God's not mad at you. You can hear it, but I need you to believe it. And, and I grew up 
in a, in a great family, uh, had all the opportunities, and you know, my parents didn't really go to church, but my grandmother did. And so I remember going to church once with my grandmother, and it's important to realize some of your first memories of God and who you think he is is really buried deep in your psyche. And I remember going as a seven or eight-year-old and then being whisked off to a room with other kids I didn't know, which is always fun, and learning the story about Jonah. And they actually tried to make it fun. They had a big Jonah whale painted on the wall, you know, cartoon character with a big eye, googly eye looking at you, all weird. That was a little bit unnerving. But what was most unnerving is that even at seven or eight years old, I realized the message they were telling me was that if you disobey God, you get eaten by a fish. It's not good marketing. I did not want to come back. And in all seriousness, I, I, I walked away fearing God, but not the right kind of fear, not reverence, but if I make one misstep, if I disobey, there is punishment that comes. And so then sometimes we take that and we attach it to our parents and, you know, and all kinds of things happen. But all I'm trying to say is my first memory of God, my first thought was that God is just mad because I knew I wasn't perfect, even at eight or nine. And then I got to be 13, and, and I started doing what many of my peers did, and that was to drink and, and, and to party and, and just kind of do those things. And then I thought, well, I know God's mad at me now. And then that turned into alcoholism. And that turned into me being married with two small children and trying to get by and struggle with alcohol and all the things that come with that. And then one day when I was about 28, a friend invited me to church. You know, that's still the number one way to get somebody to come and get engaged in a church is just invite somebody. Just invite your neighbor. Invite someone who trusts you. And I went and in the back of my mind, I was thinking I don't belong here. Um, I do things that I know God doesn't approve of. And so, you know, it's not the place for me, but I'll go. We had small children. We'll make it look good. But I was hearing something different at that time. I was hearing not the punishment Jonah whale fish eating, you know, uh, theology. I was hearing the gospel of hope, that God is a redeemer. And, and I don't know if if this makes sense to you or not, but there are certain times in your life where I think God kind of opens your heart and your ears again to hear the true message of love and, and redemption and hope and, and new birth. And, but if we haven't gotten that other part out of us that God is not mad at me, if, if we don't get rid of that wrong thinking, then it creeps back in very quickly as we wake up the next morning and start to do things that probably we think are just not pleasing to God even with our thoughts, um, sometimes our actions. And we go back to that right uh, or that wrong way of thinking that God's just mad. So I got to make it up to him. And then we're off out in the weeds somewhere because you can never make up enough to earn anything from God. He loves you the way that you are, but it gets in the way. God's mad at me. He's mad at me. So here I am, I'm sitting with a pastor now after going to this church for two or three years, and I go to his office, and 
I just got the words out, my life's a mess. And I began to cry, and he just smiled at me and put some tissues on the, on the desk. And I actually just sat back and smiled at me, which I thought was really weird. I had just said, my life's a mess, I'm an alcoholic, and I was crying, and he's getting a kick out of this. And I'm like, what is going on? But then I learned what he was doing was allowing the moment for God to just have his moment with me. He was so wise in that, because he never said, don't come to church if you've been drinking. Don't come to church if you are hungover. Don't, don't do anything out in the public to embarrass me. If you, he just said, Jay, you want to give your life to Jesus? And I didn't even really know Jesus that well. I just, I, I knew there was a father, there was a son, there was a Holy Spirit. I, I, I knew some of those things, but I was like, yeah, I can't do this on my own anymore. And we prayed. And I got baptized the next week. But about three days after that baptism, I truly, I didn't know what the Holy Spirit's voice sounded like. I didn't know what God, how God had spoken to me, but I, I I truly sensed that God was speaking to me at that moment saying, you'll never drink again. You'll never drink again. And I felt this weight coming off of my shoulders. And I know he doesn't do that for everybody the same way. He's a very creative God, and, and we've got to let him be creative. But that's what he did for me. He delivered me from that, from that problem. And my wife saw that. And a year later, she came to Christ. And my parents eventually came back to, to Christ. But he, here was the problem. See, I wasn't drinking anymore, so I thought I was perfect. I even told my wife, I got no flaws now. Come on, all the, all the wives, just enjoy that comment. I was just, you know, loving Jesus in my honeymoon phase, and, and I was just kind of full of myself. Now, I still wear socks and sandals. That's a big problem, I know. But we've got all eternity to work on that, so, you know, give me some room. But when I started to read the Bible, now follow me because this is important. This is where we can lose the God is mad at me wrong thinking. I began to read the Bible. I, didn't, I was learning about my spiritual gifts and that, that God had given me um, a, a real hunger for teaching and, and evangelism. And I was this new creation. I wasn't drinking anymore. I was, I was loving spending time in the Word. And I'm just reading straight through. I didn't read a book in high school, I promise. Um, I just didn't. I didn't care about much. But now was this new stuff was happening to me. And so I'm reading through, and I get to the book of Jonah. Now remember what I said earlier about that first memory of God. So when I, opened, I got to the book of Jonah, I flipped it open. I literally thought I heard the theme song from Jaws, like, dun -dun 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 -dun. oh, here comes the fish. Oh, yeah, he's an angry God. Oh, yeah, he's mad. And, and I began to read it. And as I read through this first part of Jonah today, as we uh, discuss God's not mad at you, but how we get ourselves into this fish, I, I want to read uh, Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Um, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. A couple things. Jonah knew God. He was a prophet. He heard the call. 
And it says he ran away, but actually that was about a 70-mile trip down to the port. So it would have taken a couple days. So it wasn't like Forrest Gump. He wasn't like running down the lane, (laughs) screaming. He made a decision to turn and kind of go the other way. Uh, A couple reasons, I think, is because one, Nineveh was his enemy. These were God's people's enemies, the Ninevites. And two, if you read through the book of Jonah, you catch Nineveh's mindset. I know you, God. I know that you're going you're gonna to save them. And he just wasn't down with that because sometimes we don't want our enemies to know the good news because they've hurt us. So he goes in the opposite direction. And if you're like me and you rationalize, I rationalize still to this day. I, I can see myself getting to the boat and going, Okay, if I have enough money for the ticket and they take it, then that means God says it's okay. So it says they paid the fare and he got on the boat. Okay, it must be God's will, or he would have made me lose my wallet, or you know, something else bad would have happened. No, God doesn't do that. We, we, we make all these things up in our head. Why? Because we think God's mad at us, and we're trying to get back in good graces, or we're trying to rationalize what we think is right, even though we're not doing the one thing he's asked us to do. Now, that's a big thing. Go to Nineveh. But your one thing might just be go across the street and invite your neighbor to church. Your one thing might be writing a letter to somebody, asking for forgiveness of something. Your one thing might be extending forgiveness to someone who you've been holding a grudge against. And you might be rationalizing all these little things about why you shouldn't do that, just like Jonah, and then the next thing you know, there's a storm all around you, just like what happened in this story. Jonah went all the way down, he went to sleep, and the, the guys on the boat were just reeling because God had sent a storm and a wind, and, and there was havoc, and they finally rousted him up, and they said, who are you? And he said, I am a prophet, I'm a follower, a Hebrew of the one true God, Yahweh. And then they knew, it's him, he's the problem. And so they threw him overboard, right? You know the story, maybe. If you don't, read it. It's only four chapters. It's in the middle of the Bible. It's a minor prophet, Jonah. And here comes the fish. He gets swallowed up. Now, after I'd been baptized and and had started my relationship with Christ and, and I wasn't drinking anymore and now I'm reading this book, I still have this feeling that God's mad at me. But then I get to chapter 1, verse 17, and it says... Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Everyone say, provided. Some translations say, appointed. Some translations say, God sent a fish. Some say, arranged a fish. What often feels like and looks like God's punishment is his greatest provision in your life. The Holy Spirit stopped me right there and said, Jay, the fish is not the punishment, it's what saved him. Without the fish, Jonah would have gone to the bottom and died. Jonah even mentions that. So if you ever find yourself in an uncomfortable place, a temporary place where you have no peace, 
where things have been swirling about and you think God is mad at you, he might be saying, I'm saving you right now. But you have to come back to this understanding that I'm God and you're not. The moment Jonah says salvation is from you, you, you rescued me from, the, from going down to the, the grave and in the black water, he, he, the fish spat him out. This is how we get ourselves into these fish. And, and there are many kinds of fish. There's, there's debt, there's bad relationships, there's drugs, there's alcohol, all these things. And, and God sometimes allows us to get to a place and we feel like that he's mad at us and that we're being punished because nothing is working. And what he is doing in a way that only he can do is providing a situation for us that we have to cry out to him. Because God will always have eternity in mind, not your happiness. Jonah knew God. Jonah went the other direction. Jonah tried to play it off. Jonah ended up in a very uncomfortable place that turned out to be God's provision, not punishment. I've been in those fish because I won't do one thing maybe, or I allow myself to rationalize, or I can't get that thought that God is mad at me out of my spirit, out of my soul. But if you can just embrace for a minute that God is not mad at you, and truly let that sink in, he's not mad at you. He desires a relationship with you for a very specific reason. He's your only hope. And you might think, well, God's been chasing, God chased Jonah down and made all this stuff happen. He wasn't chasing him out of judgment. He was chasing him out of love. He's not chasing you out of judgment. He's chasing you out of love. But man, we like to run. I've been following him for 24, almost 25 years now, and I still run from time to time. I still rationalize from time to time. And it doesn't always lead to a catastrophic event or uh, something that is, you know, wrecks my whole life. But it can. And I've seen it happen. But God's not mad at you. He wants you back. We find this theme all throughout the Bible, but, some, but somehow we still walk away sometimes thinking he's just mad or he's not pleased or I'm not good enough or I'm not, I haven't suffered long enough to, to earn my way back. And that is all wrong thinking because the gospel only says one thing, and that is the missio day, the, the mission of God that's laid out even in the Old Testament is to redeem and reconcile all that was lost and all that was stolen for all humankind and all nations. That's God's mission. And he'll accomplish it in very unique ways. But you have to trust him. It's funny, I tell people, especially inmates, when I go in and I talk to them, uh, that in the throes of my problem with alcohol, God's voice, now that I've learned kind of how, what God's voice sounds like, he was never the one telling me to stop drinking. I thought it was, but it wasn't him. It was everybody else, and for good reason. 
God wasn't mad at me. He wasn't telling me to stop drinking. The only thing he ever said to me or impressed upon me was, you have to choose me. You have to trust me. We'll deal with all the other stuff after you make the decision. Isn't that different than, I think, how we're wired sometimes to think how we need to please God is don't do this and don't do that? When in fact, all he's asking us really is to choose me every day, to trust me every day, and let me have the Holy Spirit guide you into all truth. And when you turn and go your own way, I'm going to let you go. And whatever happens is going to happen until you decide, whoops, but I'm not mad at you. I will provide a way for you to come back. That's a different, that's a different way to think and, and to process than when I was seven or eight and I thought, if I mess up, I'm getting swallowed whole by a giant fish. But you have to make that decision. You have to understand that that is the heart of the Father. And it's hard. It's hard. My Bible actually says, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Can you ever imagine that God probably had to tell the fish to, don't, don't swallow? I mean, like, get him in there, but don't digest. Don't, even if he's tasting good, don't do it. Don't do it. And whether you think this is an allegory or a literal, it doesn't matter. It's God's word. It's the truth. What he's saying to me is, I have a calling on my life. I have a purpose on my life. Now, one of the things that used to just, I used to, can I use the word hate in a, in a good way? Does that make sense? One of the things I used to hate is when people would say, well, you better get right with God. He's got a purpose for your life. Then they'd just walk away. Excuse me, what's the purpose? I always want to know what the purpose is. That's between you and God, but here's what I want to encourage you to understand. We sometimes don't know the purpose until we've chosen God. I would say most often we don't know the purpose until we've chosen God. And the purpose can change and be refined and be shifted. But God has asked you to do one thing after you choose him. I don't know what that is for you. He's asked you, he may be asking you right now, like I said, maybe to give more, to serve more, to... Uh, to to, to go with me to prison. I don't know, maybe you walked in here today thinking, man, you know, prison ministry's been on my mind and here I stand and I'm offering it to you. Well, that's a pretty good indication that maybe that's something you should think about. And you're never going to outrun your purpose no matter what happens because as soon as Jonah got out of the fish, he got the exact same directive from God. See, for me personally, this is the proof that God's not mad at us. There are consequences that happen when we turn our back on God or we, we go the other way. And some like to call that wrath and, and, and all that. There, there is a consequence when you say, I'm going to go solo on this project without you, God. We will be on our own to face whatever happens. And it usually ends up over time 
being something that forces us back to say, I'm sorry, I, or I need you, or now I understand better. But nowhere in that did God get mad at you. Maybe grieved, but not mad. There's a big difference. When Jonah gets out, what does God tell him? Go to Nineveh. He didn't say, sit in the corner, I'm going to have Jay go do it because he's better. Or, you've already had your chance, I'm done with you. I'll find somebody else to go to Nineveh who really loves me. No, that's not what he said. When he got out of that circumstance, that, that provision, not punishment, God said, get all the junk off of you, the seaweed, the vomit, all of that, and go to Nineveh. I'm not changing my mind about you. He's not changing his mind about you. He might be waiting. He might be walking with you. He might be helping you do something right now. Or he might be waiting on you. But he's not changing his mind about you. That is the God in heaven that we serve. Who knew your name before the beginning of time who has given you something that nobody else can maybe do in a certain way, and he wants you to do that. He wants you to get joy out of that. He wants you to come alive in that. Go do something that makes people come alive and to make you come alive. That's why Romans says, don't conform any longer. Go be you. He's not mad. Now, I can walk out of here today, and, and I will, hopefully, unless I fall off the stage and break my leg. And I'm going to go to the airport later, and I'm going to fly back, and I'm going to go to a prison this week, and I'm going to start to think some things about, man, I should have done this, or I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done this. God is just mad at me, or God is not pleased with me, and I've lost my credibility with him. And I've learned that I have to have an answer for that way of thinking. And it's, that's nonsense. Jesus did not die on a cross and then say, okay, don't ever disappoint me again. He said, trust in me. Believe me. Follow me. Hide yourself in me. Love me. Love your neighbor. You have the freedom to mess up. You know why? Because I'm not mad at you. I died for you. I brought some of these books that I wrote because it's the story of Jonah, and my story's in here. I wrote it in 2009, and I'm not here to sell a bunch of books. If you want a book, put a donation in the white bucket. Uh, we reprint them and we take them into prison. I am a bestseller in a prison. These books go for two cigarettes and a towel. But I can tell you that over the close to 90,000 men I've spoken to face to face, when they catch God's not mad and that their incarceration might be the fish that God used to save their life for eternity. They come alive. And they can withstand where they're at. And they have new hope and new life. 
But it's not just for them. It's for you. Because you could never have spent a day in jail in your life, and you can be in prison right now if you think God is mad at you. He loves you. Just love him back. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we're so grateful. Grateful for this time that we have. It's such a sweet place. Um, I, I sensed your Holy Spirit um, and the spirit of all of those who are here, Lord, just that this is a place that you are using to empower and engage. And I pray that that would continue. I pray for anybody here, Lord, who walked in thinking that they were beyond your grace, forgiveness, or even beyond believing for a second that you're not mad at them. I, I believe that I pray that they would leave that here before they leave, that they would leave it at the altar, that they would just dismiss it and have an answer for that the next time it comes, that you love them, that everything that happens is, is a way for you to provide for them and reconcile them. And they are free, free to be loved and free to love. Lord, I thank you for the leadership at this church. And we pray that uh, Paul and his family get rest and have time to just kind of unwind. Lord, I also pray for this community and the people here who are tired because <laughs> week in and week out, I, I know what this does. Would you give them peace and rest today and let them know that just because you're tired or don't feel on fire at times that you're not mad at them. You understand and that you will be their strength. I'm so privileged to be here today, Lord. And I just pray for these people, their children, their families, the rest of their day and the rest of their week. May they wake up knowing you're not mad. You're with them. You're for them, not against them. We love you, Lord, and it is in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen.